Welcome to the official launch of On-Chain Experiments. Previously known as Your Voice First Podcast, we are officially switching over to Web3 and moving away from the voice space. On the first episode of On-Chain Experiments, we are going to be talking about a new feature that we have shipped out of Mint Songs, gas-free blockchains. Specifically within Mint Songs, we have gas-free dApps, and this is making it so that anybody that wants to interact with a blockchain can do so without having to worry about the gas costs. Let's get started. You can now mint your NFTs 100% gas-free on Mint Songs. What does that mean for a musician? Well, a musician now doesn't need to know they're using a blockchain when they mint an NFT. A musician can think of it kind of like SoundCloud. You show up, you upload a song, you put in your album art, you hit confirm, and then a song is created that you can earn money on. And unlike traditional platforms like Spotify, iTunes, etc., where the platform takes 95%, you're using Web3 Rails, so the musician gets to keep 95% of what they earn making it much more feasible and much more attainable to make a living off of your art. And now, with gas-free minting, musicians don't need to set up a wallet. They don't need to get any Matic or any gas. They can just show up, upload their song, and start earning. This idea of gas-free dApps or gas-free blockchains is part of the Ethereum scaling ecosystem. I like to describe it as four layers of the blockchain. There's layer one, layer two, layer three, and layer four. This is actually a mental model I got from Justin Drake of the Ethereum Foundation. And so we're going to get started with a quote from Justin Drake explaining the difference between layer one and layer four and how gas-free blockchains and gas-free dApps fit into that scaling ecosystem. Enabling musicians, collectors, and other non-technical users to be able to leverage these dApps and leverage this infrastructure that highly benefits uh, the people that are actually creating the most value without them having to know what a wallet is, without them having to know what crypto is or NFT is. They can just use this in the same way that they'd use SoundCloud, like they'd use Spotify or any other music platform. Take a listen. It's it's very difficult to get into Ethereum if you're not very multidisciplinary and, and intellectually curious. Um, and so you kind of the in a way the, the the barrier to entry is maybe relatively high and that could be kind of a filter. And then everyone else who just wants to use Ethereum for its utilitarian values can just use it without understanding. And so I guess it's very similar to planes, like everyone uses planes, but I guess the plane community, <laughs> like the ultra geeks who knows how, you know, every single button in the cockpit and, you know, how the engines are made in the, in, in the jets and, and, and things like that. Um, that's probably a very special community, which is relatively small and, uh, and yeah, and kind of pure in that sense. It seems to be that with, with that perspective, like the whole purpose of Ethereum is to like let a thousand layer zeros be born on top of layer two, right? So like infinity layer threes, if you will, just infinity communities built on top of layer twos, which are built on top of layer ones, which are built on top of the Ethereum community, which is like the layer zero. Mm, I see what you mean. Okay, so tons of communities built mm. on top of layer two. Yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Each each one with its own sets of values and principles, which they're allowed to choose from because Ethereum allowed them to choose from the full set of all values and principles 
because that's the value and principles of the layer zero. Mm, yes, I like that. Um, I mean, maybe maybe we could call it layer four. Uh, and the reason is because um, in, in my mental model, kind of layer three is the service layer, right? So you need all this middleware between kind of the, the, the smart contract and the user um, that which is kind of layer, layer three. And so for example, Coinbase is layer three, right? They're, they're, they're kind of connected to the blockchain. They make deposits and withdrawals and also things, but they provide this, this, this service. And then I guess layer four would be the, 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 the communities that are built on top of that. Here's the overall mental model around the scaling ecosystem of blockchains. Layer one, decentralized, slow, very secure blockchain. Layer two, highly efficient, cost-effective, eco-friendly blockchain, very scalable. Layer three, services, and layer four, communities. Diving deeper into that and giving some concrete examples, a layer one is something like Ethereum or Bitcoin. These are very secure, highly decentralized blockchains. They need to be decentralized and they need to be secure because these are the layer where financials are handled. You need your financial system to be decentralized and secure. If it's not decentralized, you're recreating the current system that we have where all of the money can be centralized into a couple investors. These are chains like Solana where you've got a couple of investors and a couple people controlling the financial policy. And when a hack happens or when something bad, bad, whatever bad is determined by the people who hold the most tokens, they can effectively influence that financial policy. And so you want your financial policy to be incredibly decentralized so that everyone around the world has equal access to it. And you also want it to be highly secure so that it can't be corrupted, can't be hacked, uh, can't be manipulated like a lot of the current systems are, especially where I live here in South America where the financial policies are manipulated. And even in the United States, um, people tweak the dials and change it and that's not good. However, when you have a decentralized blockchain, that's not possible. One of the things to note about a layer one, as Ethereum and as these layer ones continue to scale, the only, only people, the only things that are going to be interacting with these layer ones are layer twos. Layer twos are scalable blockchains. Um, I mostly work with Polygon, but other scaling solutions on L2 would be things like Arbitrum, Optimism, ZK Sync, Immutable X. There's a bunch of scaling solutions and a simple way to think of these are like compressing your files. It doesn't really make much sense to store when we're talking about a decentralized layer one blockchain. It doesn't make sense for dumb engineers and non-technical people to write directly to a layer one. It's highly inefficient and you wouldn't store tons of massive files on your computer. Instead, if you know your, your files are going to be sitting there for a long time, you're going to compress them. You're going to zip them into a more efficient package and then you're going to write that into your more longer term storage, kind of like a cold storage um, or an archive. The layer twos make that efficient. So I as a developer can write an application on top of a layer two and I can know that my transactions are going to get batched together and submitted and secured on that layer one in a much more efficient, um, both for the environment, for the chain itself, for storage, as well as financially, it's going to cost me significantly less because these transactions are going to get submitted in a much more efficient way. Layer threes. These are services that are built on top of highly scalable um, layer twos. These are services like Coinbase, services like Mint Songs, services like OpenSea, any dApp you can kind of think of. These abstract all of the complexity away from the blockchain and make it so that users don't even need to know that they're using a blockchain. 
in my vision for scaling Ethereum, a user doesn't even need to know that they're using a blockchain if they're interacting with a layer three. People, there are people all over the world that use Coinbase and they might not even know what crypto is. They might just think of it like a stock and they don't need to know to be 100% honest. Like they can interact with these dApps and they don't need to know what a blockchain is. They don't need to like download MetaMask. They, they don't need to know a lot of what's going on behind the scenes. They can just know that they can plug in their credit card details and then buy what they might consider to be a stock and then watch that in the same way that they might on Robinhood or on any other stock trading app. Same thing with Mint Songs. Mint Songs has now totally removed the need for anyone to download a wallet. They can jump onto our website. They can type in an email address. They can then mint a song in the same way that they could on SoundCloud or on Spotify or iTunes. Layer threes make it so that non-technical people can interact with blockchains. And because we're building on top of layer twos where the gas costs are so low, a company can effectively eat this cost in the same way that like a SoundCloud or a Spotify. SoundCloud and Spotify pay for AWS and Google Cloud. However, they don't tell the user, hey user, this is how much it costs in Google Cloud platform or in AWS to store your music. No, that, like the user doesn't care. The company abstracts all those costs. The company on the back end figures out what they need to charge in order to make it financially viable for them to build this business. And then they offer a very clean user experience for the end user where the end user doesn't need to know about any of the complexity of Google Cloud Platform, these cloud functions, lambdas, etc. The user can just go on, upload their music, and continue to create without needing to know about the complexity. And then finally, layer fours. Layer fours are groups of communities. These are our Discord community with Mint Songs. This is Twitter spaces. I was on a call with a friend last night and I was chatting through this exact mental model and that conversation uh, that I have with a single friend or a group of friends or families, these happen and they use a lot of different technologies. Um, and so that's the community. We don't really care what technologies we use. We don't really care what apps we use. We are a community and our goal is to share our art, share our ideas, share love with the people and our friends that we love. And we use different technologies depending on what we need in order to communicate with each other. Last night, I used Google Meet, but my friend used a phone. And we were both able to dial into the same meeting and have a conversation. And we didn't talk about the technology at all. Our goal was, hey, let's hop on a call. We put it in our calendar. We used Google Calendar for it. We hopped on a call. We used, I used Google Meet. He, he dialed into the call. But at the end of the day, our goal was to just have a conversation and we leveraged whatever tools made it most efficient and effective for us to have those conversations. And that's what communities are going to be doing moving forward. Communities like groups of artists and record labels and DAOs and small maker communities, they're going to leverage tools, but you might see different members of the community leveraging different tools depending on what best suits their needs. And so now as Ethereum and blockchains continue to scale, these layer four communities are going to have more options that include Mint Songs, that include Coinbase, that include all these other awesome decentralized technologies that are built on top of decentralized blockchains where these layer four communities will have true ownership, unlike using tr traditional uh, Web2 technologies like Google Cloud and AWS. They can, communities can use really powerful tools, but also benefit from all of the awesome technologies and ownership that you get from using a blockchain without needing to know about the blockchain underneath. So we can create a better world by using better tools. 
and make it simple enough for users to use these tools so that they don't even need to know. We can just slowly start to create a better world for others that leverage these tools, um, but the end user doesn't need to know about it. And why is this important? Well, if we're gonna onboard billions, if we're gonna onboard the entire world onto Web3, we can't expect them to download wallets. We can't expect them to know what crypto is because to be 100% honest, people don't care. People do not care as much as I do. I spend 95% of my time thinking about Web3, blockchain, crypto, NFTs, etc. But most people just don't care and they shouldn't need to care. And so me as a developer, I am building tools to make it so that they can get the benefit of having true digital ownership on chain without needing to know any of the technical details. They just do what they love and continue to create. I want you to keep focusing on being a creator. Make music, make art, make podcasts, have conversations, create new products if that makes you happy. And just know that you have ownership of all this. If you want to sell it, you can. If you want to move it around, you can. And I'm not going to be able to stop you because of the infrastructure that we're building on top of. And that, my friends, is how Ethereum scales. Now let's talk about the Ethereum specification that makes these gas-free dApps or decentralized applications possible. EIP-2771, the Secure Protocol for Native Meta Transactions. This is a contract interface for receiving meta transactions through a trusted forwarder. What this means is that you can upgrade your smart contract or you can deploy a new smart contract that allows forwarded transactions that have already been signed to be sent and interact with your smart contract. How that works in the user experience is that the user signs a transaction, they don't pay any gas on it, that signed transaction with all the data needed to interact with the blockchain and to interact with the smart contract is forwarded to a provider. In the case of Mintsongs, that's Biconomy. Biconomy is the tool that we use. And then from Biconomy, the transaction is applied gas and then is actually submitted to interact with the smart contract. The EIP 2771, which I've linked in the show notes, has a great little graphic that shows uh, how the flow of information goes from the actual person that signed the transaction, the musician or the collector, the person that is just like using the layer three application, how that gets forwarded to a gas relayer, it then gets forwarded to a trusted forwarder who verifies the signature and interacts with the smart contract. If you are a smart contract builder wanting to implement this, I've actually released a video showing how to build an entirely gas-free dApp, and you can find it on YouTube. I'm also going to link the playlist in the show notes, so you can click on that, you can watch it, you can forward it to your friends if you want to actually build a smart contract and build front-end, back-end, and smart contract that is actually able to be a gas-free dApp. I've made an entire course entirely free on YouTube. You can watch, follow along, and build this yourself. Some important things to know is even when you add this, it does not mean that people can't directly interact with your smart contract. So you might say, well, what if I only want some people to have gas-free transactions, but I want other people to still be able to interact with our smart contract? That's absolutely fine. Adding support for EIP 2771 uh, is like adding additional functionality, but does not deprecate or eliminate the ability for people to still pay for gas. So if someone wants to interact with your smart contract uh, and still pay for gas, they can do that. They can totally still do that. This just adds the opportunity for you to submit these gas-free transactions and have that 
be copacetic and follow all the rules of Ethereum. A couple other things to know for developers. Uh, some things you'll need to add into your smart contracts. Instead of using the typical msg.sender method, message.sender, to identify who's sending a transaction, because transactions are, some transactions are going to get forwarded from a trusted forwarder, you need to add a special method, which you will find if you start integrating by economy. They've got great docs on it. They've got a custom method that you can import. Um, and you'll need to change all references to the message.sender to this new function, which is still going to be called message sender. It's just a slightly different method to account for forwarded transactions using EIP 2771. I think that's everything. We could really talk a lot about the EIP 2771, but I really don't want to make this too boring. So with that, let's move on to talking about some of the data around what has happened since we've rolled out gas-free transactions on Mint Songs. Since releasing gas-free minting, we have seen the number of errors on our smart contract drop off significantly. It's really cool that when we obfuscate the smart contract interaction and all that we ask a user to do is sign a message, we're able to handle a lot of that complexity and resolve a lot of the errors that happen that were happening when users were responsible for sending those messages. We, as the Layer 3 decentralized application, or DAP, are now handling that. And so the errors that we've seen interacting with our smart contract have dropped off significantly. Less errors interacting with the smart contract, less friction for the end user. Since rolling out gas-free minting a little over a week ago, we've seen approximately $100 US getting spent from uh, us. So instead of users paying the gas cost, about 59 Matic has been spent by our company instead. So this is the fees that we've taken on by saying that we're going to pay for gas, we are, we've paid about 59 Matic, which at the time of recording is about $108. Each day, it depends, and we can actually start to see which day more people are minting music. Some days, the highest day we've seen has been 12 and a half Matic got spent in a day, and on the lowest days, we've seen less than one Matic get spent, uh, around like half a Matic. But the average day gas seems to be somewhere between 5 to 10 Matic that we're spending per day. Those are costs that we're eating up, and we just continue to have to think about, like, okay, how do we make this a viable business model so that we can make this sustainable to continue to be able to support musicians and collectors by paying for gas? Oh, yeah, and that covers about 200 transactions. So that's 200 different people that have minted up to 50 NFTs per mint, so at most, I could look at each of these individual transactions and see how many NFTs were minted. On the high side, if it was 50, that would be 50,000, no, that would be 5,000 NFTs that could have gotten minted. And on the low side, if it was only one, then that would be 198 NFTs that have gotten minted. So those are some of the numbers on what it's been like for us cost-wise, quantity-wise, when we took on the gas costs, that's some of the data. The whole reason we're building gas-free dApps is we're onboarding more and more people into Web3. As more people onboard, we need to lower the barrier to entry, making it easier, more affordable, more efficient, more environmentally friendly. All of these are concerns that people have and are preventing people from being onboarded into the space. So we, as a Layer 3 provider, are going to continue to lower the barrier to entry by making it more cost-effective, 
saving you more time, more efficiency, um, giving you more benefits and more tools, and just continuing to make it more enticing for people to leverage the tools that we're building here at Mint Songs. We are going to be building out tools that help musicians build their Web3 communities by lowering the barrier to entry for musicians to be able to create music in Web3 and lowering the barrier to entry for collectors to be able to collect and support and hodl these musicians' tokens, as well as reap the benefits in the real world. Accessing things like going to events, getting merchandise, getting exclusive airdrops and exclusive content, and honestly just building connections, one-on-one -on -one connections between collectors and fans. If you've got any questions about Gas-Free DAP, shoot me a voice note. I'd be happy to include it in the episode. And if you don't want your voice included, please uh, reach out to me on any social media platform at Sweetman underscore E or Sweetman.E, depending on the platform. Thank you for tuning in. This is Sweetman.E, signing off.